The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted, and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, What are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Something we all ask ourselves, when we ask God, and I'm including myself in this group, what is your will? God, what's your will? What am I supposed to do? What's the will of God? Because obviously we want to know the will of God because in his will is our salvation. Usually, though, we're thinking of in, in terms of decisions we have to make. But there are many things we know that are the will of God. And we heard it today in the second reading. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And what was it? Rejoice always. Will of God. Pray without ceasing. Will of God. Give thanks. Only sometimes and when you're happy. No. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks except in the year 2020. No, give thanks in all circumstances, December 13th, 2020, with everything that 2020 has meant, well, the circumstances at least, in those circumstances, give thanks. This is the will of God. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. St. Augustine said, without exception, all try their hardest to reach the same goal. Now, think about that. What could possibly be? I go out into the streets of Raleigh, New York City, wherever, China. What's the goal you're trying hardest to reach? I mean, they might have a hard time enunciating it, but the thing we all have in common? Joy. That's what he says. Without exception, all try their hardest to reach the same goal. Joy. Happiness. Try it one time. Ask a stranger, do you want to be happy after they give you a strange look like, why are you talking to me? Like, Yeah, of course, like who wouldn't want to be happy? That's what we want. We want happiness. But what is happiness? What is joy? Joy 
is the fruit of communion. Another way of looking at it, joy is the fruit of when we possess a good we desire. So when we think of our, you know, think of anything. Think of some food you like. When you have that food, like, ah, I like sushi, and we had sushi the other night. It's like, oh, I I love this. You feel joy at some level. Now, our ultimate good is God. Our ultimate joy, therefore, once he's possessed fully, will be unsurpassing joy. That's what we desire. Now, if our joy is connected to the good that we seek, but our ultimate joy is linked to God, well, that must mean God must be present at each moment. Now, we know this conceptually, I think. Oh, yeah, of course, God knows everything. He's everywhere. Yeah, but how do we get contact with him? If I'm to rejoice always, I need to have contact with God, my ultimate good, always. Now, we know that grace is abound. We heard in the first reading of the prophecy that glad tidings are brought to the poor, the broken heart are healed, people are clothed. He even uses this image, this marriage image of will be adorned like a bridegroom with a diadem on his head. No one wears a diadem now at a wedding, but just he's, he's decked out. And the bride who's beautifully adorned. Like that's the type of gifts that we're, we've been given. But again, how are we supposed to really live this? It sounds nice when you hear it. Like, oh yeah, that's great, but... Again, 2020, you know. Now, we're not the only ones with this question. There's a book I like very much. It's called 1,000 Gifts by Anne Voskamp. And she has the same question. How are we supposed to be happy in this broken life? Now, she in particular is coming from her experience. She reflects on just her name. Her name's Anne which is the same name as Hannah, which means favored one or full of grace. And she thinks, well, I don't really feel like I've lived full of grace. Right in the first pages of the book, she also talks about when she was a little girl, she saw her younger sister, the the milk truck ran her over and killed her. So she saw that. So let alone losing a small child and then it destroyed, I mean, her parents were wrecked. But she just stayed with that image. And her sister's name was Amy, which means beloved, the loved one. So she's just struggling, like, really? Yeah, that's what a beautiful name. But now she's writing this book. At the time, she's a mother of six, happily married. But still something, this question. How are we supposed to be happy, but really happy? I kind of feel like I'm betraying my faith because I'm not always happy. That doesn't mean giddy and like skipping around. I mean, but this deep sense of joy. So that's her question. She looks around her life and says, if it was my decision, I would write my story differently, God. I wouldn't write it this way. Now you can maybe think of that. Like, think of the worst part of your life. The worst moment. Well, maybe you have a perspective now and you're looking back and say, yeah, that was horrible, but I see the meaning But maybe you're still struggling with that. Like, I'd write that differently. If we could just kind of tear those pages out of my book of life, that would be great. So she goes through this first chapter just narrating a little bit of her issues. 
And then she comes to, she's about to reveal her discovery. Obviously, she's writing the book. She's not just going to say, no, there's no hope. Put the book down and get on with living. No, how do we choose to allow God to fill the holes of our life? To become, actually, she calls them, seeing through to God places, where I can actually look at the the difficulty, the hole in my heart, the hole in my life, and actually discover God. To live fully, to live full of grace, like her name, and joy, and all that is beauty eternal, it is possible, wildly so. We must have confidence that God means to fill us with glory again. So, there's the promise. Chapter 2, I won't go through every chapter, don't worry. So just chapter 2 is where she's revealing the secret. And the rest of the book is her unfolding and living out that. A word to live by and die by. So she has another burden. In this chapter she talks about, she has cancer. So mother of six. Oldest is about 14 at the time. Youngest is about four. And she's at the doctor's office, struggling with the big question, but also now this, uh, cancer, really? Thinking of the neighbor down the street who recently died, and all these things. So she sees on the the table there a magazine, and one of the titles says, 1,000 places to see before you die. So she's thinking, is is that it? Like, 1,000 places? So if I see those 1,000 places, then I'll be happy. So she's obviously... A little skeptical there, like, no. But she's thinking, but what is it? So she must have shared this with a friend later, and so the friend knows about this. She herself, Anne, sits down and starts reading Scripture, and she comes across Luke twenty-two nineteen, which we're very familiar with. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them. And the words, gave thanks, really jump out at her. Now, something we hear at every single Mass. But the thing that really struck her is like, wait, he said this 18 hours before he was going to die. He's taking bread, which is already prefiguring what he'll do on Calvary. He gave thanks. And it just strikes her like, okay. He gave thanks in that hard moment. What was he doing? What was he giving thanks for? And so she starts to wonder, I wonder if that's the key. So her friend, who she shared her story about the 1,000 places, writes her, what about writing a list of 1,000 gifts? And that's the title of the book, 1,000 gifts. She's like, well, maybe. 1,000 gifts. So she does, she's a little bit of a scholar in her own right. So she grabs her Greek lexicon. She looked up the Greek in, in scripture, and you may know this. The Greek word for thanksgiving, or thanks, is Eucharist. Eucharisteo is the verb. So she's, okay, Eucharist, she looks it up. And then in lexicons, they break down the word. Charis, the middle, means grace, which is also related as a cognate of another word, kara, which means joy. So she's like, I think I'm onto something here. So could it be that joy that I want, a life full of joy? Remember, the one thing we seek, without exception, is joy. Well, could the path be to acquire grace, to meet grace face to face? Could it be thanksgiving? So that's her discovery. 
Well, I think it is. 1,000 gifts. What would that look like? So, chapter 3, she starts. First flight. She starts her list. And it's not just simply like conceptual things that we should be grateful for. She starts with things she actually is grateful for. And even things she enjoys. Like, if you happen to like toast with strawberry jam, like that would have been one of the things she wrote on her list. And obviously more serious things, but all sorts of things. Her eyes were being opened to gifts, presents. Think of like Christmas, we wrap our presents, and there's something exciting about opening it up. What is this? Well, that's kind of what Thanksgiving does, is let's go on the hunt. Let's discover. Let's unwrap the gift, the thing that's always been there, right in front of my face. It's like, unwrap me, look. Like, you unwrap it, you receive the gift, and you encounter through that, God, in a mysterious way. God communicates himself through those things, and many other ways too, but all sorts of ways. So this path of thanksgiving became her journey. And then the rest of the book unfolds. And it's not this Pollyannish happiness, like the, next, the very next chapter is the first big test. Her son, they live on a farm, and her son went into the, she was feeding the pigs, and somehow... It was probably like seven or eight. His hand got into the fan blade, these huge fan blades, like three feet. And ugh, in all circumstances, give thanks, like right now. Like, so that's her real first big test. His hand wound up being okay. We needed a lot of surgery. But still, it was this, she didn't know that. We know it reading the book. And then each, each, each chapter goes through something different. Discovering beauty in the world. Discovering like, what the meaning of slowing down and what you discover of humility, of learning to trust more. And then the final chapter, really the climax, is the joy of intimacy, of communion. And she winds up being in Paris and having a beautiful encounter with Christ in an unexpected way. But she realized that was the journey God wanted to bring me on to experience communion with Him. And the fruit of communion is joy. So on this Gaudete Sunday, which is a command, rejoice always today. Let us begin today, right now, in this church, rejoicing that knowing God is always good, that he's always with us, we're always loved by him. And so then let us today rejoice at the table of the Lord, at his banquet of thanksgiving. Let us eat the mystery with reverence. Let us be nourished with the mystery as we journey this week and the next towards Christmas, towards the one who is to come in a new way. Each time he comes at Christmas, it's new, the same Christ, but he's coming in a new way to you, Christ, the ultimate cause of our joy. Let us present our petitions to God, the Father, the giver of every gift, who anticipates our every desire and need. With confidence, we beseech his mercy upon us. For the church, that she may bring good news to the poor, healing to the brokenhearted, and liberty to all who are captive. Let us pray to the Lord. For all nations, especially our own, that they may heed the message of Christ and embrace the way of the gospel of truth and love. Let us pray to the Lord. For all the handicapped, that the Lord may strengthen them by our assistance and make them firm through our support and concern and the loving presence of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Amen.
for the aged, the unemployed, the ill, those who are sick. In a special way, we remember Michael Devereaux. That the Lord may provide them with relief and encouragement and support for their families. Let us pray to the Lord. For the grace this week to recognize the presence of Christ in the midst of all our activities, we pray to the Lord. And for this parish family for whom this Mass is being offered, may the Lord bless all of us abundantly and help us to walk the path of gratitude towards joy. Let us pray to the Lord. For the faithful departed, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. Let us now join our prayers to those of the Blessed Mother as we sing.